Good morning. Usually I like to say good evening, but it is morning, so that's what I'll say. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank the leadership for another opportunity to communicate God's mind to God's people. I also like to thank the prayer warriors who I know have been faithful in praying. Um, today I'm going to talk about, this will be part nine of things about the Lord's prayer that make you want to say, and if you guys were here, you'd say, hmm. But I'm going to hit it from a, a different perspective. It's almost like I'm going back to the beginning, but um, my title this time is Maintain Yourself in the Love of God. Maintain Yourself in the Love of God, and also the characteristics of the gift of God's prayer, a model prayer, which is the Lord's Prayer. The other day, uh, Mrs. Brown, who's in the audience, and also I'd like to thank Jim for being faithful, um, she had posted a verse, and it kind of stuck with me, in Jude one twenty to 21. And it says this, But you, dear friends, by building yourself up in your most holy faith, now watch it, by praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the uh, New English translation, and this is the way he translates it. Maintaining yourself in the love of God. Here's a verse, um, Galatians 5, 6. While anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life. I think David Bentley translated that for the life in the age. This has been on my mind. Uh, I think years ago, Pastor Knapp had made a, a very powerful statement. It's one of those statements that you uh, don't forget. But in modern day Christendom, this is the statement. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. In modern day Christendom, we spend our whole lives trying to get into heaven. And I even heard a song that someone wrote. And the song goes like this. I'm climbing on the upside of the mountain, trying my best to make it in. That kind of speaks of Christianity in the nutshell in the United States of America. Double outcome judgment. But God, God's will is to get heaven into us in time. And that is the kingdom of God. I was woke up the other day with another verse that pastor preached on when he was doing his uh, Rev the Book series. But in Revelation 3, 7, 8b, and 10, those are the verses that I selected. 
It goes like this to the church or to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. And this Philadelphia isn't like the Philadelphia that I was born and raised in because this Philadelphia means the love of the brethren. I don't know what's going on in Philadelphia now, but I don't, I don't think there's too much love for the brethren. And he says this, this is very interesting. I know that you have little strength and our strength is made perfect in weakness in second Corinthians 12, nine. And in Isaiah 40, 29, he gives, watch it. He gives power to the faint and to those that have no might. He increases strength. Yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Now watch it. Because you have kept my command to endure with patience, I will also keep you from the hour of testing that is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell in the earth. Isn't that amazing how the writer wrote that in reference to what we are experiencing today? And if you want to know more about that subject on on the Church of Philadelphia, you can go to Pastor Knapp's series, and I would recommend it, and rev the book, actually Lessons 161 to 167. The word, and it's called, the series is called The Word of Christ's Perseverance. And the one that I, I um, and I'm going to quote, a, uh, um, I'm going to quote something that, that Pastor Knapp said in, uh, in part five of his series. And he quoted this. This is what he said. Here it speaks of the inhabitants of the Roman Empire in a microcosm. But evidently, now watch it, but evidently it can also refer to the entirety of mankind throughout all of the current age from the time of the writing of this edict through the present time and to the parousia, the macrocosm of Jesus Christ. Dow W. Johnson, and he wrote, a, he wrote a magnificent book, and for some reason I can't get away from it, but he wrote a book called 70 Words That Change the World, or say 57, I'm sorry, 57 Words That Change the World, A Journey Through the Lord's Prayer. And in his book, he wrote that in reference to the, to the verse that I just gave you in the book of Revelation about the testing coming upon all the world. In Matthew 6.13, it says this. Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is what um, Daryl Johnson said the meaning of that verse father, as you have led us into the test. Now watch it because the two, two parts go together. Father, as you have led us in the test, do not let the test become a temptation 
but deliver us from the evil one. Or Father, rescue us from the evil one. In other words, during the time of testing, we go to God as our deliverer. And what we ask God is during the tests, don't allow us to be overcome by the evil one. The whole world, now watch it, the whole world right now is being tested. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. And it is a time for a self-examination. 2 Corinthians 3.5 says this, put yourself to the test to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourself. And it's amazing because we live in a world where everybody wants to point fingers at somebody else. But Paul says here, examine yourself. Or do you not recognize regarding yourself that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you have failed to test? And this is a very interesting verse. And I think during this period of time, God is revealing hearts. And I guess you could probably see that. And even in our own lives, we can see that God is revealing hearts during this time of testing. But in Luke 8, 17 and 18, Jesus says this. For all that is in secret will evenly be brought into the light or into the open. And everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Watch it. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who, watch it, to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. Wow. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. And in Psalms 36, 9, the Bible says this, with you is a fountain of life. And in your light, we see light. Now watch it. But those who are not listening, even what they think they understand, will be taken away from them during this time of testing. Let me give you an example. And Pastor's been doing a a brilliant series on um, Hebrews 20.20, We See Jesus. And if you haven't taken advantage of it, I would tell you to take advantage of every one of those messages because they're divinely sent to us in such a time as this. But in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, or 1 to 3, that's the, that's the scripture that I'm using. But this is, this, is, this is probably, this is my quote. During the time of testing, but it actually came from, from uh, Pastor Knapp's series on Hebrews. But during the time of testing, we can, watch it, we can become drifters and neglect so great a salvation. There you go, Hebrews 2, 1 to 3. I'll re- I'm going to say that again. During the time of testing, we can become drifters 
and neglects so great a salvation. Now watch it. Continue or continuing to live in our Adamic ontology. We enter into in Ephesians 4, 17 to 21. We enter into scatosis. That's the blackout of the soul. And um, I got this from Bernard Larnigan, and he said this. Exclusion of unwanted insights. And I believe Paul said, don't walk. Don't walk like the other Gentiles walk in the emptiness of your mind, having your understanding darkened, watch it, alienated, alienated from the life of God. So during this time of testing, by the grace of God, we can live in the higher integration of human living in Christ Jesus. That's also from Bernard Larnigan. And we can be, watch it, attentive. We can be intelligent. We can be reasonable. We can be responsible. And above all, be in love. Some scriptural references to go with that is Romans 12, 1 and 2. Hebrews 10, 39, James 1, 21, and Philippians 2, 12, and 13. But you, dear friends, building yourself up in your most holy faith, maintain yourself in the love of God while anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life. We're going to probably come back. We're definitely going to come back to that verse. In Luke 18, 1b, and I was thrilled that I heard Pastor Knapp on his last increment. He quoted this verse and I said to myself, wow, he's putting some icing on my cake. But in Luke um, 18, 1, it says this, men ought always to pray and not faint. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul writes, pray consistently. Never stop praying. Pray without ceasing. Pray continually. Men are always to pray and not faint. Don't get tired. Don't become discouraged. Never give up. And don't lose heart. And the Bible says in Proverbs 24.10, if you faint in the day of trouble, your strength is small. But the beautiful thing is, is that when we pray, and this is what Pastor said on, on his last message, is that literally what we are doing, we are praying through the perseverance of Jesus Christ. So that's how we can continue in prayer. It's through his perseverance. Also in Galatians 2.20, it's his faithfulness. It's his love that was shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit in Romans 5.5. 5. 
So in Luke 11.1, 1, now we're moving into a little bit of the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. I want to get into, I'm going to try to get into, it probably will cover nine. Um, we're going to probably cover nine of uh, the characteristics of the model prayer. I'm going to have, I'm going to have nine um, characteristics of the model prayer. <clears throat> so in Luke 11, 1, he was praying in a certain place. <clears throat> and when he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us, Lord, teach us to pray even as John also taught his disciples. See, we're moving into the perseverance of Jesus Christ. Now, there's no record, and I said this before, but in, in Philippians 3.1, it's safe. There's no record of the, disciple asking, the disciples asking Jesus to teach them to counsel, to teach them to counsel, to lead, to cast out demons, or even to preach. The center, now watch it, the center of Jesus' ministry was his fellowship in prayer with his father. And this is fresh bread here. In Luke 5, 16, watch this. He made a, this is the complete Jewish Bible. He made a practice of withdrawing. Isn't that beautiful? He made a practice of withdrawing to remote places in order to pray. So the center of Jesus Christ's ministry was his prayer and his fellowship with his father. In John 5, 20, it says this, for the father loves the son. Watch it. For the father loves the son and he shows him everything he is doing. I would imagine that he did that in his prayer life. Everything he's doing. And he will show him greater works than these so that you may be, and I love this word, amazed. That it may cause you to wonder or to marvel or to be astounded. I love that. He came to exegete the father in John 1.18. That you would be amazed. Now watch this. That you would be amazed at his unheard of kind of love in the Christ event. Now, what are the greater things that he's going to do? Well, here it is. In Luke twenty two forty two b not my will, but thy will be done. So it speaks of the whole Christ event. And in, in John 521, in the mirror Bible, it says this, for just as the father awakens people from their death sleep and revitalizes them with Zoe life, even so it pleases the son to awaken people. Those are the greater works. The, of the Christ event, the resurrection and the ascension. 
of Jesus Christ. So basically, we can, have, we can inflate um, Luke 1-2 with Romans 8-26, because Romans 8-26, I actually skipped past that, Romans 8-26 says this. Well, and that's a lot of times what you think. Sometimes you say to yourself, well, I'm, I need to pray, but then you say to yourself, but I don't know how to pray. And that's, that's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. And that's what, that's what it said in Philadelphia, because you have little strength. That's a good place to be, to tell God, I don't know how to pray or what to pray. But in, in Romans 8.26, it says this, for we do not know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. So then we can, we can conflate Luke 11.1 1 with Romans 8.26. And we can conflate Luke 18b with, with 1 Thessalonians 5.13. And if you want to, you can throw this one in there, 2 Thessalonians 3.5. I'm going to give you, um, we're moving along pretty good here. I'm going to give you, um, I think I have nine, but there's actually more to come. I'm going to give you nine characteristics of the wonderful gift of the Lord's prayer, God's model prayer. Nine, and there'll be more coming, hopefully. I'm going to make a series of statements about um, the characteristics of the Lord's prayer. It was very edifying to me. The Lord's prayer reveals to us a model to help us to enter into, watch it, authentic communication with the Father. Two verses I just said, Luke 11.1 1, and Romans 8.26. Point two, Jesus is teaching us what Jesus is teaching us is the kind of praying that pleases the Father. This is the kind of prayer the Father loves to hear and loves to answer. Here's a very interesting verse in John 15, 7 and 8. And it says this, watch it. If you abide, meno, to stay, remain, or to reside, if you abide, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish or whatever you will, and it shall be done to you. Now watch it. By this, by this. My father is glorified. That you bear much fruit. And to prove to be my disciples. We pray God's word, his will back to him. That's where that's where effective prayer comes in at. You're actually praying the word of God back to God. 
And, and, a, and a perfect example of that, and I think Pastor mentioned that in his last message too, is, is that uh, if you ever get a chance, study the prayers of Paul, because that's pure word. That's the pure word of God, the prayers of Paul. Point three, or characteristics, characteristic three. Jesus reveals the beating heart of the living God in the Lord's Prayer. In Jeremiah 36, 26, it says this, I will give you, this is the beating heart of the Father, I will give you a new heart. You notice it says, I will. I will. I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. Here it is again. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Characteristic four, and I'm going to put this in the form of a question. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, now watch it. Are we asking God to reveal the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ and the universal impact on the cross to the world? The first three petitions is God's agenda. And in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And it's amazing. And uh, characteristic five. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, are we asking God for grace to live in his grace economy, the kingdom of God now? See, that's one of the problems that we have, I think, as, as, as believers is that, and I said from my opening statement, is that we climb on the upside of the mountain trying our best to make it in. And what God wants to do is God wants us to see that the work is finished. The work is finished, and now he wants to get heaven into us in time, which is the kingdom of God. And uh, two verses that correlate with that is Romans 14, 17, and Galatians 5, 22. In Galatians 1, 4, it says this, who gave himself for our sins. Now watch it. He gave himself for our sins to deliver us from hell. For those of you that have your Bible, it doesn't say that. He gave himself for our sins. Now watch it. Watch it. To rescue us from this current evil age according to the will of God our father. And it's amazing because in um, Matthew 6, 6 to 8, it says this, but when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door and pray to the father in secret. 
And what the father sees in secret, he will reward you openly. And it's really beautiful because as soon as the pandemic started, Pastor Knapp gave us a a brilliant verse out of uh, Isaiah 26, 20. I'm sorry, Isaiah 26, 20. And um, Pastor said, and I believe it also, that he literally got that from the, from the uh, Beatitudes. And Isaiah 26, 20 says, Come, my people, and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself for a little while until the wrath is past. He came to deliver us from this current evil age. Another verse is 1 Corinthians 15, 10. For it it is by the grace of God. Well, what are we talking about? We're talking about when we pray, when we pray the Lord's prayer. It's actually a question. When we pray the Lord's prayer, are we asking God for grace to live in his grace economy, the kingdom of God? I am what I am by the grace of God in 1 Corinthians 15.10. Another verse is Titus 2.10. And 11. Now watch this one. This one came to me this morning. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says this. He died for all so that they will not go to hell. There's another one. He died for all so they will not go to hell. Watch what it says. Watch what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all so that they who live no longer should live to themselves. I am what I am by the grace of God. It is the grace of God that teaches us to deny all ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly and righteously in this current age. So let me read that again. In 2 Corinthians 5.15, he died for all that they who live no longer should live to themselves, but to the one who died for them. I like what it says here. He died for all. He died for all. But to the one having died and having been raised again. The sixth characteristic of the Lord's Prayer. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are literally, watch it. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are literally praying about the very gift of God, Jesus Christ himself. If you study the Lord's prayer, you go through the prayer. The prayer itself is speaking of the person of Jesus Christ. A verse for that is John 3, 16. First John 1, 1 and 2. John 5, 39 to 41. See, you, you make a diligent search for the scriptures, 
because you think within them you have eternal life. But you will not come to me that you might have that life. Now watch it, watch it. And these very scriptures, they testify of me. And I love this. That's what Brian taught on, um, on uh, what would that have been? been last Sunday. Yeah, last Sunday's message. Yeah, on the firstborn. And he used this verse in Luke 24, 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. These very scriptures testify of me. Okay, we're moving right along. I'm in characteristic seven already. Watch it. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are drawn deeper and deeper into the concerns of the triune God. That's a very powerful statement. And it brings us to uh, what I, I believe this was probably increment 34, if I'm correct on that, where Pastor talked about the great intention. The great intention in, in um, Isaiah 9, 6. The great intention in Genesis 1, 1. Watch it. In Genesis 1, 1. In RK, in Christ, God created the heavens from the earth. And I love this too, because Brian had this verse in his message also. In Isaiah 46.10, it says this, and this is from the uh, New Jerusalem Bible. From the beginning, I revealed the future in advance. What has not yet occurred, I say, my purpose will come about. I shall do whatever I please. Isn't that amazing? And the Christian Standard Bible says this. My plan will take place. I will do all my will. In Matthew 20, 15. Well, that verse I just quoted was um, from Isaiah 46, 10. So Jesus Christ is the messenger of God's great intention. God's determined and unstoppable resolution. Not based on the will of man, but on the will of God. And a beautiful verse is that, and that is Ephesians 1, 9, 10, and 11. Okay, we're getting there. This will be characteristic number eight. Now watch it. To pray the Lord's Prayer, we have access to the Father in heaven. I love this verse. And I remember Pastor, Pastor preached on this, and this was, this was a brilliant, brilliant message on this. And, and uh, Romans 8.15, and this is God's word to the nation. It says this, you have, you haven't, not you have, you haven't received 
the spirit of slavery that leads you into fear again. What does that sound like? A spirit of slavery that leads you into fear again. Instead, you have, the, you have received the spirit of God's adopted children by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Some people translate that Daddy, or in the, um, in the movie The Shack, they use the word Papa, which speaks of the intimacy, the intimacy that we have and the access that we have because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross to the Father. So, we have the privilege of believer priests, watch it, in Hebrews 4.16, to come boldly to the throne of grace, watch it, that we may obtain mercy, looking for the mercy of God unto eternal life that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need in such a time as this. We have the privilege to go right into the throne room of God. And Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 17, 12, a glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary, some translated, is our holy place. Characteristic number nine, and I'm almost done here, believe it or not. Characteristic number nine. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, this is a question. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, are we loving God and our neighbors as ourselves. Hmm. If there's anything that this world needs now, somebody wrote a song, what the world needs now is love. But I don't know what love they were talking about, but the world needs, what the world needs now is God's love. And it needs to start, watch it, it needs to start in the church. So Titus 3, 4, and 5a says this. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, watch it, but according to his mercy. Now, let me give you an example. If you have your Bibles, you actually can turn there. And the question was, this is the question we asked. I'm going to go back to that again. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, are we loving God and our neighbor as ourself? So, in, and if you've got your Bibles, I can see you people turning your pages right now. 
in Matthew 5, 43 to 48. And Paul writes this, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and, and quote this one. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ compels. For the love of Christ compels. So does that mean that when Paul prayed, he was praying with the mindset of the love of Christ? And was he praying in the mindset of the universal saving significance of Jesus Christ and the universal impact of the cross for all? When he was praying, is that what he was thinking about in his prayers? That's interesting. For the love of Christ compels me, for we thus judge. We've come to the conclusion. We've reached this conclusion. If one died for all, then all died. Hmm. That's the way we need to see all mankind. In Matthew 5, 43, this is very interesting. In Matthew 5, 43 to 48, watch what he says here. You have heard that it was said, love your enemy, love your neighbor, excuse me, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You know, believe it or not, I believe that's what most people think. That's how we think God is. That's what we think. In other words, somebody made this statement. God is going to love us until we die. And then after we die, if you hadn't believed in him, then all bets are off. Now you burn, you burn alive. And some people would even say, well, that's the love of God. No, it isn't the love of God. That's the doctrine of men. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now watch it. But I tell you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Watch it. And pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be the sons of of your father in heaven. For he causes, watch it, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those, watch it, if you love those who love you, what reward would you have? And I put in my notes here, this, this, this statement right here in, in, in Matthew 5, 43 to 48, this is, this is actually the mysterious law of the cross. The mysterious law of the cross. Now, watch what he said. He said, pray for those who persecute you. Are there any examples in the Bible of people that prayed for those who persecuted them? Here's a universal prayer that Jesus prayed for the people that persecuted him in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Is there a person that prayed that prayer? How about Stephen? Right before he went face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ, he entered into the 
mimesis of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he said in Acts 760, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. Hmm. See, he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Now, I I believe that the great intention comes in here in this particular verse. Because in eternity past, you had Father, Son, Holy Spirit in complete union and love for one another. But love had to be demonstrated. And where love is demonstrated, love is demonstrated for the other. That's why God sent his son. For the other to demonstrate his love. For God, watch it. For God demonstrated his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 5, 8. For God demonstrated his love. And that while we were yet sinners, the other, Christ, died for us. So if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the, watch this word here, because I may get into that. I may get into that next time. I may get into it next time. Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Question. All these are questions. Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Verse 48. Be perfected. Telios. Brought to its end. It also means full grown. Adult. A full age. Mature. That is the major problem right now in, in, in the world, but, but particularly in Christendom, is the lack of love. And there's two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But the thing is, is that we cannot do it on our own. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which has been given unto us in Romans 5. Five. So be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I'm going to close, believe it or not. Hmm. And this is what I asked in, in, in uh, characteristic nine. When we pray the Lord's prayer, are we loving God? and our neighbors as ourselves. And I'm going to start with, I'm going to end with what I began with in Jude 1, 20, 21. Dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith, by praying in the Holy Spirit, maintain yourselves in the love of God a faith that works by love in Galatians 5, 6. 
while anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that brings eternal life. Father God, we thank you and we praise you once again for your faithfulness. We thank you so much that you are always faithful. And Father, we pray that these words that were spoken today will be not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, and that these words would go forth in demonstration, in power, in the Holy Spirit, Father. That we would take these words to heart and produce fruit, some 30, some 60, and even a hundredfold. So, Father, we pray a special prayer for this congregation. We commit them to God and to the word of your grace, which is able to build us up and to give us an inheritance amongst those that are sanctified. And, Father, we also pray a special prayer for our beloved sister, Pam Nat, and her husband. Father, that you would send healing in your wings on her behalf, Father, that you would speed up the healing process, Father. We also pray for those, Father, in this congregation that will also be having surgeries or those that are going through sickness and affliction. Father, we also pray for this nation in a very special way. Father, we asked you that you would heal this land. And we thank you and we give you all the praise, the honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.